0: Good evening, good evening, and good evening to you. Today we're gonna be studying the book of Jeremiah. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, our goal this year is to study the whole Bible. We started out earlier in the year from Genesis and we are going book by book. And today the focus is on the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah is named after the prophet Jeremiah. This book, just to give you a background, uh, is divided into three sections. The first section is about Jeremiah himself, the call of God upon his life. The second section is about Israel, the people that God sent Jeremiah to preach to or to prophesy to. And the third section is about the foreign nation that is involved in the book, which is the nation of Babylon. So we're going to take each section one by one. For those of you who are scholars and would like to study, the first section of that Bible, of that book, focused on Jeremiah, is from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 25. The second section begins with chapter 26 all the way to chapter 45. That's when God focuses on talking about Israel himself. And then the last section, the third section, when we talk about Babylon, is from chapter 46 all the way to chapter 51 so if you want to study that book you can see i'm breaking it down to make it very simple for you first let's let's give some background to the book so you will have a good appreciation of how everything fits together the people of israel If you remember, the nation was built on one person by the name Abraham. And then you remember how God made a deal or a covenant with Abraham. And the arrangement is that God will give Abraham a son and God will give Abraham a land. That land, of course, the sovereign referred to as the promised land, because it's a land and because it's promised. So we call it promised land. Well, the story goes on. As you read the Bible, God kept his word. I can stop there and preach to you right now because it's very important that you, me, all of us know that God do keep his word. If God tells you he's going to heal your body, you can count on it. He will heal your body. If God tells you he's going to make a way for you, my friend, <laughs> I'm smiling because I, I just had a little flashback in my own life. If you if he say he's going to make a way, believe me when I tell you. He would do just that. But God is so true to his word that the Bible describes him in Numbers 23, verse 19. That God is not a man. He doesn't lie. That God is not like you and me. He doesn't back out of his promise. Had he said something, he would do it. Whenever you make a promise, hallelujah, (laughs) I feel like shouting already, he will make it good. I'm speaking to somebody today, maybe God has spoken to your heart, or maybe you just read in the word of God and you bite into what God said in his word. Believe me when I tell you, God will keep his word. So if you read in the Bible and the Bible says something like, By his tribe, you are healed. Where your job is to believe it. And if you believe it because God said what you're believing, it will come to pass. Hallelujah. (laughs) I don't know about you. I have made many progress in my life by simply believing what God said. The problem, ladies and gentlemen, is that many times we are too busy believing our circumstance. We are too busy believing our situation. We are too busy believing our condition. And many times because we chose to believe the wrong thing, we die in our infirmity. Maybe this can be a day of turnaround for you and me. The Bible says, "Whose report are you going to believe?" Today, you and I can choose to believe the report of the Lord. He promised Abraham, "I'll give you a child." He kept his promise. Isaac was born. He promised Abraham that he would give him a land, and sure enough. God delivered on his promise. He brought Abraham and his family to a place called Canaan land. And then he told Abraham what he wants him to do. He made a deal with the people. We call it covenant. He covenant with the people of Israel, the children of Abraham. This is what I want you to do. When you get to that land, don't mix and mingle with them. Don't worship their God. Stay focused. Believe in the God of Israel. I mean, set said it out. Some of you call it the Ten Commandments. But to Israel, it's a deal between God and the people of Israel. It's a covenant. God has his own part to play. And the people of Israel has their own part to play. Why am I telling you all this? Well, you need to know because there will be no need for a prophet named Jeremiah, but for the fact that the people of Israel begin to break their agreement with God. Everything they promised God to do, they begin to slack off on. So the background to the calling of Jeremiah is the failure of the people to do what they promised God to do. Guess what they were doing? They started to worship the God of the Canaanites. The very thing God said, don't do. Guess what they were doing? They were building false religion all over Israel guess what they were doing they were using children as sacrifice many of you think abortion and all these things are new idea no it's been going on for decades for centuries thousands of years ago they were doing things that God don't like they were violating the rules of godliness, the rules of holiness. So that was the background. So God called a gentleman by the name Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a teacher and a prophet. You remember we've dealt with some prophets before, but Jeremiah was very famous, very much like Isaiah who preceded him. By the way, the call of Jeremiah was 70 years after Isaiah died. Take note of that number because numbers are very important in, in the Bible. One of these days when I get a chance, I will teach you about various numbers of the Bible and the importance of it to your life. Jeremiah was called to ministry 70 years after Isaiah died. And guess what? When God decided to punish Israel for their sins, for their violations, guess how long he put them in exile? 70 years. It is no coincidence. Numbers are important. God speaks using numbers. God revealed things using numbers. I wish preachers would spend more time really getting deep into the things of God with God's people. So we find Jeremiah called to ministry. By the way, let me mention to you that his calling was twofold. When you're called to ministry, I'm trying to bless those of you who are ministers watching right now. When you're called to ministry, you need to know exactly what your assignment is. You cannot just be all over the map. You cannot do everything. Say, for example, there was a preacher by the name Billy Graham. He knew his calling. Guess all he preached about? Salvation. Anywhere you hear Billy Graham preach, he'd be preaching about salvation. You won't see him talking about marriage. You won't see him talking about addiction or your, all these other subject or healing or whatever miracles. No, because he knows what God called him to do and he stayed focused on what God called him to do. His calling was about salvation. There are other examples. You probably remember a brother by the name of Billy Hinn. Billy Hinn, for the most, time, most part, preached about healing. Again, that's because that's what God called him to. If you hear the ministry of Colin Kuhlman, for example, you see most of our teaching is about miracles and about the Holy Spirit. So everybody, just like medical doctors, Just like lawyers, people have area of specialization. I remember when I was practicing law uh, with the state, I focused on civil rights, defending the little people. And that was my specialty. Now I'm into other areas, I do personal injury, automobile accident and all that. So, but my point is that people do specialize. In the case of Jeremiah, God told him two things. He sent him to Israel, and he sent him to the nations of the earth. So that means his ministry is international. See, if God call you local, and you're trying to be national, you you do more harm than good. But if God calls you to be national and you're trying to stay local, you'll miss your blessing. So it's always good to know what you're, what you're called to do. Also, you need to know about Jeremiah, before I get into details, that he preached for 20 years. And at the 28th anniversary, God told him to compile all of his sermon, all of his poems, all of his prophecies, put it together in a book. Guess what Jeremiah did? He hired somebody, a scribe, to do just that. And now you and I have the privilege of reading that book. Now you see how the book come about. There's a lesson there. Some of you are preachers who are teachers. and You work in the ministry. Have you ever considered writing a book? I just I can't by myself. One of the things I love about ministry in Zion Hill, I told my ministers, follow me as I follow Christ. So I'm pleased to report many preachers in Zion Hill, in my church here, have written their own book and published. It's very, very, very encouraging. You know why? They saw their pastor, Writing and publishing. Because I'm a published author, they watch what I'm doing and they start to do the same thing. And I'm believing God for God to prosper them. And by the way, if I may just throw in a little commercial for all my preachers, get a copy of their book. <laughs> See, you'll be blessed i got all kinds of publications in this house. Our church, Zion Hill, we had more published authors than any church in this region. I give God glory for it. I mean, we have, uh, I can't even remember all the names of these preachers. I hate to miss anyone. Melissa Rubin has published a book. uh, Dalisa Hall has published a book. uh, Patricia William has published a book. Uh, uh, Minister Stewart, Jacqueline Stewart, has published a book. I mean, I can go on and on. Uh, Minister Dosha has published a book. I mean, it's just amazing how many of them. Uh, I just got word uh, yesterday, actually, that Pastor George Mitchell just finished writing his own book. It's just amazing what God is doing in this house. I'm grateful, grateful, grateful. So Jeremiah put all of his sermons, all of his poems, all of his prophecies, he put it in a book form. And now we have what you call the book of Jeremiah, which was now part of the Bible. All right, now let's talk about his message, section two of this book. He begins to tell the people, he said, Look, let me warn you, let me school you, you are breaking the law of God. And he told them exactly what they were doing. He divided it into three sections again. Number one, what Israel is doing doing wrong Number two, what the leaders of Israel is doing wrong. And number three, the consequence to the members of the public who are vulnerables. And when we talk about the vulnerables, he was talking about three groups of people specifically. Have you noticed I'm using the number three a lot? Again, I will remind you, n- numbers are not just by coincidence. He was talking about the widows. He was talking about the orphans, people that have no parents, people that have no husband. And then he was talking about immigrants, people who are foreigners in the land of Israel. So let's look at each of these groups one by one. Number one, talking about the Israelites. Jeremiah began to tell them look, You are messing up big time. You had a deal with God. You had a contract with God. You are not keeping your side of the bargain. Now you're worshiping idols. Now you're pretending to be a Christian, but you're not. You go to the temple with a straight face, but you come out of the temple and you're doing all kinds of craziness. You see, I can stop there and have church. Doesn't that sound like us today? Have you ever seen people that will go to church and shout all day, Oh, glory! Oh, glory! (laughs) But they're full of devil. (laughs) So just like the Israelites, it's just amazing how very little have changed. Thousands of years later. Jeremiah warned them. Look, folks, stop playing games. Stop tripping. You told God you're going to be holy. Are you holy? you come to church on Sunday, but you can't wait to hit the casinos. Hey, don't don't. <laughs> I mean, you shout before God or or Sabbath, but you can't wait to go out to the mourner and, and party all night. He said, look, why are you doing this? Folks who abuse their own spouse and mistreat people and come to church and get on their knees for devotional period. Who are you lying to? You're not fooling nobody but yourself. So he warned them. Stop this, because if you don't stop, there will be a consequence for your action. Please permit me to beg you, as Jeremiah begged the people of Israel. I'm saying to you and me today, we need to stop playing game with God. If you're going to serve God, serve God. If you're not going to serve God, stop pretending to be a Christian when you're not. I remember Joshua. Years ago, he warned the people the same way. He said, Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Joshua said, As for me in my house, we're going to serve God. You can keep tripping if you all want to, but serving God will be a priority in my house. And I hope and pray that that will be your testimony also. Jeremiah warned the people of Israel, if you don't cease and desist, I'm sorry, I'm using a legal term now. If you don't stop what you're doing, God will bring a foreign agent what he meant by a foreign agent, another nation to come and, and, and smash and whoop the behind of Israel. Guess what the Israelites were doing? They just laughed at him. They said, ha ha, look at this idiot. Look at this fool. Sounds like what many of you do with preachers today. When God sent a man of God, a woman of God, to warn to proclaim what does says the Lord. Some people just ignore it. Some people laugh at it. Some people pretend as if they don't hear a thing. I hope and pray that you and I can learn from the experience of the Israelites because because of their failure to listen to what does says the Lord. Guess what happened to them? They end up in Exile. They end up walking over a hundred miles barefooted. No ride. In chains. They were marched from Jerusalem all the way to Babylon. Can you imagine all the crying, all the weeping, all the sorrow, all the pain? All of that could have been avoided if people would simply serve God. So now we get to the second section of the book. From chapter 26 all the way to chapter 45. God brought in a foreign Egypt called Babylon to come and attack Israel. By the way, I can preach all day about Babylon. The word Babylon is from the word Babel. You remember in the book of Genesis chapter 11, there was was a group that was trying to build a tower to God. You probably have heard the term the Tower of Babel. So Babylon is from the word Babel. And and you see that that nation prosper and they have a lot of wealth. They have a leadership by the name Nebuchadnezzar. I can talk to you all day about that country, but for the sake of time, I want you to get something very important. And that sometimes when we children of God don't do right, God will allow the enemy to punish us. Don't miss that. Many of what you're going through right now that you think is the devil messing with you, sometimes it's the hand of the Lord trying to correct you before you self-destruct yourself. Babylon came and Babylon attacked Israel, conquered the people, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, and take all of their young men and, and, and energetic people to Babylon. You probably remember people like Daniel, very wise young man who was taken to Babylon. You probably remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego he was taken to Babylon. The amazing thing is that prophet Jeremiah prophesied, told the people exactly what will happen. If you don't turn from your wicked ways, this is what will happen. Babylon will come and you'll be taken to the captives for 70 years. And exactly what he said came to pass. I can stop there and preach because one of the greatest things that can happen to any preacher is when you can say, Thus says the Lord, and whatever came out of your mouth comes to pass. That's the greatest honor. It's not about how many people join your church, it's not about how many facilities you're able to build it's not about your reputation it's not about your notoriety it's about being able to speak with authority and that when you say it's gonna rain it rain like mr noah and when you say there's not going to be any rain like elijah and god listening shut down all of heaven. So we find Jeremiah, exactly what he prophesied, came to pass. Now you remember in the book of Matthews, I mean Jeremiah said, by the way, in the book of Matthews chapter 16, verse 14, there was a day when Jesus, many years after Jeremiah, he was hanging out with his disciples and he asked them, who do men say that I am? What do people think about me out there? And in that Matthew chapter 16, verse 14, one of the disciples said, many people think that you are Jeremiah. (laughs) He's the same Jeremiah. Why did I call that to your attention? Jeremiah was not just a preacher. He was not just a prophet. He was highly respected. You know what makes people respect him? Because when he prophesy, when he says something, whatever he says comes to pass. My prayer in ministry is that God will bring me to the level that when people say, Pastor, what is God saying in your in your heart? And that I can look them in the face and tell them, what does says the Lord and God honor the word of the preacher and whatever I see comes to pass. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, the people of Israel were taken captives. Now, notice that Jeremiah also talked about their leaders. What's wrong with the leaders? First, you need to know the leaders of Israel. There are three of them. They have priests. They have prophets, and they have kings. So what is the problem with these leaders? They were corrupt. Number two, there was injustice in the land. Sounds like something familiar. Look at our leaders today. Look at the politicians. Look at the ministers of the gospel. Look at the corporate and community leaders. I hate to say it, many of them are an embarrassment to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That was what was going on. And Jeremiah spoke to the people say, You leaders, you are corrupt, you are greedy. Guess what else Jeremiah was preaching about to the leaders? He said, There's too much injustice in the land. You take advantage of the little people. Sounds like what we are going through right now. And then he called the attention to the little people that he is talking about. The widows, women who have lost their husband, the orphans. Young children with no parents. The immigrants, the foreigners who come to your land. It was a shame when people were trying to come over to America and some of the government agents grabbed their children and separate them from their mama. Same thing that was going on way back then in Bible time. These people are no thieves, they are no criminals. They were just trying to look for a better life. Many of those Hispanics, they want to come here and work their butts off, earn a living, do jobs that many of us would not even do. But they were treated as if they were nobody. Jeremiah was warning the government of his days He said, you're going to pay dearly for this. So it was not a coincidence when the Babylonians came and attacked Israel, guess what? They arrested all of their leaders. Ironically, the only person that got away from that was Jeremiah. They didn't arrest him. Thank God for Jesus. I can preach on that too. Ladies and gentlemen, but for the sake of time, you keep on following the story. Then Jeremiah changed his tune from preaching gloom and doom, begin to preach hope. So he's a messenger of the wrath of God and the, the mercy of God. He began to tell the people of Israel, the time will come. a Messiah will come. And there is hope for Israel. God will not forget his promise to your fathers, Abraham. And God will renew the covenant. Jeremiah described what Israel was going through using a metaphor. The metaphor he used may not be pleasant to your ears, but I'm going to tell you. He said, you ought to imagine a woman who was divorced from her husband. And this woman found another husband. So she moved from her life. So then Jeremiah said, do you think the old husband, should keep on supporting the wife that he divorced from? The people say, Of course not. Then he told the people of Israel, You are like that woman. Then he took it a little further using his metaphor. He said, Not only are you practicing prostitution, not literally saying that they are. They are cheating on God. He goes further to say, You are very promiscuous. Say, so You're all over the place. So he was trying to tell them Do you think God should ignore your waywardness and still continue to answer your prayer? The same thing applies to us today. We want to do everything wrong in the book. And then we want to pray to God, Oh, God, heal my body. Oh, God, bless my marriage. Oh, God, give me a job. Oh, God, protect me on my job. Promote me on my job. He said you cannot be all over the map, running the street, and then expect just to come home anytime you want to, and expect your spouse to still be loving on you. But Jeremiah said, the amazing thing about God, even though you've played the harlots, even though you've played prostitution, even though you're all over the street doing all kinds of crazy things, he said, guess what? God still loves you. Whoa, I can shout on that. You know, sometimes I be reading the Bible, and it's like God is speaking to me—not even Israel. Cause I'm telling you, sometimes I can look back over my own life and look at some things that I've done, my thought patterns, some things I think about, some things I still think of doing. You know. <laughs> I'm sure you probably thought, man, not Dr. Dara. Oh, he's holy. Round the clock, 24-7. Always praying. Now, nah, don't be fooled, my friend. <laughs> just trying to come clean. Every now and then between hallelujah and thank you, Jesus. I mean, people mess with me. I just want to cuss somebody out. <laughs> you say, oh no, not Pastor Dara. Yeah. Just because I don't do it, that don't mean I didn't think about it. <laughs> yeah, I see things. I have feelings. I got ideas. It's not always a good idea, about it. But the good news, now that I've talked so much about myself, you say, oh, Lord, I didn't know he's just like me. Nah, I'm very much just like him. But the good news is that Despite all of our mistakes, despite all of our mess up, despite all of our screw-up, the good news is to know that God is still in love with us. I'm telling you, I feel like shouting right now. If I were you, you would receive that as a message of hope. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're doing right now. I don't care what you are thinking of doing. God still loves you. He loves you beyond your imagination. And that brings us to a famous verse in the book of Jeremiah. We often misuse it. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Jeremiah is telling the people, despite what you're going through, God said, I have a plan for you. And that plan is good, not of evil. A plan to prosper you and to give you an expected end. That is a billion dollar statement. Let me give you a good understanding of that verse. I told you the people are now defeated. They are now carried to Babylon. They are feeling sorry for themselves. They are very oppressed. They are depressed. Their low self-esteem is down. Morale is so low. And, And I also told you that Jeremiah was not, in exile. Jeremiah was in, in, in Jerusalem at home. So guess what? God told Jeremiah to send a letter to the people who were in exile. You know why? Because while they were in exile there's a false prophet that rose up. His name is Ananias. And he was telling the people, oh everything will be alright. This." Captivity is going to be only for two years. You see, God is now saying through Jeremiah, that man is a false prophet. I, the Lord, told you, you're going to be gone for 70 years. So he said, you might as well get used to being in captivity. You might as well... If if you're able to build a house in Babylon, you better build one. If you're able to plant a garden in Babylon, you better plant one. (laughs) It's not going to be a quick fix. I'm speaking to somebody right now. Because whatever you're going through, you think it's going to be a quick fix. It takes you a long time of mess up to get to where you are. You've been smoking reefer for 30 years. And then you just want God to just fix it in one week. (coughs) So so, it don't work that way. And sometimes some false prophet will rise up and say, oh yeah, there's a magic wand, or there's a trick to it. there's a shortcut. And God is saying, stop listening to lies. I can tell you, even in my own ministry, I've seen a lot of people being deceived by false prophets. I've, I never will forget a young lady, one time some preacher came to town and I was invited. So I, out of respect for my members, I went there. It was right there on Bolton Avenue. Uh, there's a little city um, building there, a community center. So we went there and we sat down and this prophet was running her mouth and this is going to happen, that's going to happen. So I sat down quietly and I was just praying quietly to God that people would not be misled. And so one of the things she said that day, she pointed to one of my members, young lady, she said, you stand up. And the, the sister stood up. She said, come here. He said, I hear the Lord tell me, by December this year, you're going to get married. I see your husband. I see a young, good-looking man. And she just goes on and on and on. And everybody was shouting, hooray, hallelujah. And I knew Houston, we got a (laughs) problem. Well, to cut the story short, it's not even funny. Not only did, the young lady never got married by December. Now she was so disappointed, she don't go to church no more. Now she concluded that all preachers are liars. Now she's depressed. Now she's very disappointed. You know what I'm trying to tell you? The Bible is right when it says... Be be aware of who you listen to. You are what you eat. Make sure that your man of God, your woman of God, has credibility, both in the natural and in the spirit. Can you imagine if I'm telling you how to get a car and I don't have one? Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) A little conversation tell you, wait a minute, reverend, (laughs) if you're so sure about how I can get a car, how come you don't get one? Can you imagine somebody telling you about healing and he or she stays sick? People, sometimes a little little common sense will help you to to identify. And God will give you a discerning spirit that you can tell when somebody is lying to you. This false prophet, Ananias, was telling the people of Israel, oh, it's just going to be for two years and we're going to be going back to Jerusalem. So God had to send Jeremiah to write them a letter. See, folks, Enjoy the food. If they saw Buddha in Babylon, get used to it, <laughs> because you're going to be there for a while. In fact, those of you are old, you will die in Babylon, <laughs> so you won't be making it back. It's tough love, but people needs to hear the truth and not lies. Then Jeremiah brought to them a message of hope. He said, but God has a plan for you. And that plan is good. That plan is to prosper you. That plan is to give you an expected end. We quote that today, but what we often ignore is the reality that part of God's plan for them is to be in captivity. Hello? Hello? Part of God's plan that he had for them is that they're going to be punished for 70 long years. They're going to live a miserable life. When we quote that scripture today, everybody say, oh, hallelujah, God has a plan for me. And they're just looking at the, the good side. But God's plan for you may be that you're going to be out of job for a while. Ain't nobody shouting now. God's plan for you, before things get get very good, God's plan may include that you have to, you may have to go through some things. God's plan for you may be that you remain single a little while before. Your boas show up. God's plan for you may be that you may have to go through some time of poverty, some time of struggle before a new dawning comes into your life. God's plan for you means it's not going to be your plan. It's going to be the plan of God. And before you start shouting, can you handle it? If God's plan includes that you have to be in the hospital for a while before you are healed, can you handle it if you have to go through some struggle in your marriage before God straighten out all the mess and clean your marriage up? God's plan. Yes, he has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. I wish I could sit down with you and just share with you. Some of what I had to go through before I got here. My story may be different from your story. When I was share with my children that the only store I could go to, all my clothing, my shoes, even my cooking wares, I bought them for the Salvation Army. I remember back then, a suit like what I'm wearing now, I would I get it for $10 or $15. And I would go home shouting, Praise the Lord. <laughs> now, if somebody wants to sell me a suit for $100, I said, No, no, that, that, I'm beyond that. But look where I have to go through. I remember when I was homeless in college and I have to be sleeping in the chapel. All of my belonging is in a pillowcase now. I have to make sure I sleep late and I have to get up quickly early before the the students get to school. Sometimes we go through a season of trouble before a season of brightness and success, a miracle comes to pass. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. But I got some good news for you. Whatever you're going through now that you don't like. Whatever you're dealing with right now that, that is really getting on your nerves. The good news is that it will not last forever. Forever. The not-so-good news is that you may have to go to, you may have to endure a season of what you're going through right now for a while. Sometimes God uses this season to prepare you for the blessing. But the good news is that trouble don't last always. Guess what happens to Israel? Eventually, they were released. Eventually, they were able to come home. In fact, the book of Jeremiah ends on this note. There was a king in Israel that was taken. His name is Jehoiakim. He was from the line of David. He was taken with all of his people from Jerusalem to Babylon as a slave. He has been suffering and then God turned things around, he was released. Before he was released, the king of Babylon invited him to the palace and they start feeding him every day. Why things change like that, you know? It's just like in election time, you know? You fight each other during campaign, you you you, you see ugly things. But when the election is over, then the winner will invite the, the loser to the White House. And they'll eat together. And they'll shake hands. If the other guy is in debt, they help each other to pay their bills. So sometimes it goes worse before it gets better. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. But whatever you're going through, Don't let the enemy make you to doubt the plan of God for you. God has a plan for you. And remember what he said about that plan. That plan is to prosper you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That plan is to give you an expected end. Whatever mess you're going through, whatever difficulty you're dealing with, maybe it's lack of job, Maybe it's with your health. Maybe it's with your relationship. Maybe it's with your ministry as a pastor. And you say, oh God, will this church ever grow? I've done everything I know how to do. Maybe it's it's promotion on your job. I don't know what it is. But the good news is that better days are coming. Be encouraged. Thank you for watching today. I appreciate the opportunity to share the word of God with you. If you need prayer, there's a number under the screen. There are ministers of the gospel waiting for you to call and they will pray with you and rejoice with you. I pray that God will continue to increase you more and more as we study the word of God. God bless you till we meet again. EBay.